The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, good day, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, everyone, welcome to... The Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. Thank you for sharing the show, by the way. When you share it, we dig that. We love the mojo. We love the love. Even if you're sharing it out of some sort of embittered hatred, uh, we don't care. As long as you share it, we'll take it. You know. And by the way, we produce this podcast in our Westwood studios, pod617.com, is where you can go to look at all of our shows and maybe even produce a podcast of your own. All the info is right there. Check it out. And I do want to thank our sponsor right off the top, U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the nation, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. Well, do you like leftovers, kids? I like leftovers. I'm a leftover guy. Some people aren't. Some people hate them. I love my fridge is always filled with them. We're going to talk about leftovers today, but for a much more noble purpose than just breaking out the manicotti at, um, you know, 1130 as you're as you're watching late night TV. My guest today from Rescuing Leftover Cuisine is Dana Siles. She's in the studio here. Thank you for joining us, Dana. Oh, everybody said I'm feeling verklempst. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we we discovered earlier we're both mutual huge fans of Saturday Night Live. and. And uh, as a sort of off-topic, just for fun thing, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about SNL during our Good Stuff segment. And and uh, and yes, we'll be quite verklempt and talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. I, I don't do a very good Linda Richmond. In the original, do you remember? In the That's a Mike Myers character, of course. He modeled after his, his Jewish mother-in-law. Hilarious. The best. Um, he, the, the first incarnation of that sketch, he actually played a guy named yes. Paul, Paul, Baldwin, Paul Baldwin. The whole sketch was just making fun of the way people talk in New York. You yes. New York, hey. Yes. Hey, uh, did you see uh, Daryl Straw? When Daryl Strawboy hit the long ball in the game the other day. I was enjoying a hot dog. Anyway, <laughs> all right. As so. a former New Yorker, I, I, we all, as a New Yorker, you know someone who talks like that, even y- still. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 lovable, you know. It's I mean, fantastic. you know, if you're like in Texas or in or overseas or someone, and all of a sudden you hear a New York accent, you're like, oh, hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to have one so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's funny because people always say if people in Rhode Island. They spot me as a New Yorker. But really? then when I go to New York, I realize how every fast pace everybody is. Mm-hmm. So my whole joke is I'm Connecticut because I'm literally smack dab <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And as Dennis Leary said in the, the movie, The Ref, Connecticut, the third ring of hell or the fourth ring of hell. I don't know. <laughs> um, but sorry, Connecticut. We love you, too. We, we love do. you, too. We do. But it's funny. You said you're from you said you're from Brooklyn, right? No, no, no. I'm from oh, Westchester. I'm Oh, Westchester. Oh, so no, no wonder you don't have an accent because you know you know who you resemble. I hope you don't mind me saying it's the actress. She was in, um, uh, but she was in Orange Is the New Black. She was in this 
this show, uh, China. <laughs> oh, I she's it was fantastic. China doll. I'm going to take that. China it, doll? It, yeah, no, it, Russian doll. Russian doll. There we go. Which, we by go. the way, I saw and is really, really interesting. Excellent show. Yeah, yeah. really kind of mind bending. Really mind bending. Natasha Leone, that's her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And she's I'm going to take that as a compliment. I think she's really cool. You should. Well, you're you're a redhead like she is, and <laughs> and uh, and a New Yorker. So all right, she, 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 there's no one more New York than her. She she can't take off that. Uh, that Brooklyn accent. Anyway, Absolutely. we digress. Rescuing <laughs> Leftover Cuisine. And by the way, the website, rescuingleftovercuisine.org. So, Dana, I know a little bit about the organization, um, but not a ton. And it, what it is, as far as I can see, is just, to me, it's like a no-brainer. Like, it, I'm surprised <laughs> nobody thought of this before, mm-hmm. but what good on you. And there are, you know, there are hotels and restaurants and others who have leftover food. And if I've got it right, your organization takes the the leftovers, uh, not literally off of people's plates, I presume. That would be rude. That would we be try rude. not to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And give it to the, <laughs> you know, uh, homeless shelters and rescue missions and other organizations that need it. But mm-hmm. but that's my clumsy way of describing it. You, t- you tell me. Yeah. No, that really is the right way of describing it. So mm-hmm. we only pick up from businesses. Um, and the whole point is we need to make sure that food safety is our utmost priority. So Mm -hmm. we pick up from businesses and we drop off at human service agencies. And the deal is, is that the human service agencies are freely serving those in need. Mm -hmm. So whether they be um, a homeless shelter, whether it be a night shelter or a day shelter, whether it be uh, an after school program for kids, uh, whether it be a veteran shelter or a veterans program, um, they are giving that food no charge to their guests. So we will bring that food to them. And when I say we, I mean our amazing volunteers. So mm-hmm. what Rescuing Leftover Cuisine really is, is it's a volunteer platform. Mm-hmm. So our volunteers will pick up the food from the business and transport it to the human service agency. So every, we call them rescue events. Every event has its own set of instructions for our volunteer to follow. And we make it very, very easy. And like you said, it's a no brainer. Like it's, it's, it's very, very easy. It's very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just doable. And it's doable for any of us who want to volunteer, but don't have a lot of time, but do want to make an impact. You always wonder what, what happens with, the leftovers and, mm. and inevitably restaurants have a lot of them depending upon which restaurant. And this is, this is uh, probably an inappropriate comic aside, but I had, a, <laughs> I had a friend, I had a friend named Deutsch and Deutsch's thing really? was, yeah, I know, it's, 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 he's perfectly named Deutsch. I, I love you. He's a cop now in New Jersey and um, I love you Deutsch, but he had this thing when we were, you know, teenagers that he would, go to the Taco Bell drive through like five minutes after it closed and knock on the window and say, can you give me what you're going to throw out? Not because he was dirt poor. It's just he probably had already bought, purchased tacos er- earlier in the night and he was just hungry again. <laughs> He's a big guy, Deutsch. <laughs> but anyway, fantastic. but the go point Deutsch. is, but go Deutsch. But the point is um, that, you know, you know, inevitably just, just because of the nature of what they do, they're going to have to throw out a ton of food. So you said one of the first things you said was safely transported. So, so what does you mean by that? I take it, avoid, avoid spoilage and all that business, right? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever a donor signs on with us, um, what I do is I pair that donor to the right recipient or recipients, depending on the time of the pickup that we're going to be, you know, that they're going to be needing, um, the location, and the logistics as far as what type of food they have, how much food they have, et cetera. Oh, so literally like looking at a map and saying it's got a shortest is better. Oh, okay. I have a map. <laughs> <laughs> I Believe like me, Dave, I have a map. Yeah. I have a Google map that I use that's very well 
uh, it's got a color key and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my, my Bible. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is different human service agencies need different types of food. Mm-hmm. depending on who they're serving and when they're serving them and where they're located. Mm-hmm. So just as an example, um, you have St. Francis House, which is one of our amazing food recipient partners. Mm-hmm. So they have a full-out kitchen, so they're able to cook uh, for their guests who are coming in. It's a day shelter uh, right in Boston, um, kind of near, near Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And when their guests are leaving for the day, mm-hmm. they will pass out sandwiches that our rescuers – uh, recovered the night before from Pret-a-Manger, one of our Ooh. amazing food donor partners, which I don't know about you, but I love that place. Yeah. Like I pay top dollar for those sandwiches. It's like, yeah. <laughs> They're no, really good. It's like an upscale Oban pan or something. Literally, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. fast food at, at its finest. It, yeah. No, they're, they're great. They're so, amazing. So that, yeah. That, and we recover from all of their locations in Boston. They're one of our, you know, really most cherished partners, I'm just going to say. Mm-hmm. And so when their guests from St. Francis House are leaving, you know, with full bellies because they just had lunch from their amazing chef over at that kitchen, they pass out the sandwiches that we recovered from the night before so that when they lay their head at night, you know, Later on, whether they're inside or outside, they can at least do so on another full stomach right. from these sandwiches. So that's, you know, one example. Timing is something you need to Timing consider, is everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I have to match the donors to the recipients based on all those logistics. So basically every, every donor comes with a set of instructions for our volunteers. So I know when I'm creating that match that the distance between the donor and the recipient generally does not exceed 15 or 20 minutes, mm. whether they're on foot or in a car. Mm-hmm. And we do have some rescues that are walkable, e- either solo or as a group, and that's factored into the timing. Like, for example, that particular rescue that I just mentioned from Pret, mm. that's the Pret at Post Office Square. And the distance from... I know it. I try to park there. Sometimes, once yep. in a while, you get lucky, you get a parking you space do. around there, some meters, yeah. I've totally gotten lucky there. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah, plug, yeah. plug for Pret the, parking. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few places in the city that agreed, you could, Agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we know that it's about, I think, a six-tenth of a mile walk uh, between the donor and the recipient. Sure. Now, that said, we average more than 50 pounds per pickup there. So we generally don't recommend it as a walkable solo. We would recommend it as a walkable group. Do they push carts? No? So if the if the volunteer has a cart, yeah. then yes. Okay. But we can't have a cart at that particular establishment because we're picking the food up at closing. So there would be no way to return the cart. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some places that we do have a cart. Like we have a cart at Italy. Uh, we have a cart at Moderna. We have a cart at a few other of our uh, food donor partners, just depending on the logistics. Some of the food you must get must be, uh, how do I say this? Fancy. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. so, I mean, I'm looking at the the list and you can, you, if you're interested, you can see the whole list, rescuingleftoverquisine.org. Is, is, is that on your website as well or no? Yeah. So Maybe. it's, oh. it is, and it's not. Um, <laughs> okay. So if they go to rescuingleftoverquisine.org slash MA for okay. Massachusetts, um, they can then email me and I will send them a link to the folder with these PDFs. Um, we are right. a work in progress and we are, we are working on our tech to get this stuff uh, up on the website. Well, but right doing... now I get it done on the PDFs. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> the no old worries. fashioned yeah, way. You had would, you would sent me these, these PDFs that I was perusing with, with great interest. A lot of fancy <laughs> hotels on here like the, mm-hmm. the Westin, the Marriott. Marriott um, International, one Marriott, of our partners. Yeah, there you go. New England Aquarium. And yes. at first I was like, what? And I was like, no, they must have tons of food from the snack bar and all that you know right so so here's what's interesting about new england aquarium so some of our food donor partners 
are quote-unquote regular donors, meaning we're picking up there every Monday at 2 p.m. and we're bringing it to the same place, give or take at the same time, on a weekly recurring basis. Okay, so um, Pret, uh, Kensho, Bean, Dolstone and Stores, Car Gurus, Italy, those are all good examples of that. Mm -hmm. But the New England Aquarium falls under our other category of emergency rescues. So the New England Aquarium, we pick up from their events Oh, specifically. Okay. 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 So New England Aquarium, I'll get a text from them. It might be at eight o'clock at night on a random Wednesday night or something. And they'll say, Hey, we've got, you know, 60 pounds of food and you have two hours to pick it up. Yeah. We, we just hosted a charity uh, dinner for 300 people, 250 showed up and we've got 50 delicious chicken dinners. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bottom line all is the time. Yeah, yeah. it does happen. And the bottom line is it's their job to plan accordingly as far as how much food to, you know, to make for events. But when it comes to inclement weather or what have you, there's no control over the fact that there will be excess food. Now that said, when a caterer or a company is able to give that excess food to their staff, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. I'm not against that. Right. I mean, that's that's a great way to go. Yeah. But if there's excess beyond that, that's where we come in. So, yeah, of the universe of hotels and restaurants, uh, do you have a sense of what percent does the noble thing? And, and but you, um, Dana's making a face like, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm going to get in trouble. We can always, <laughs> I take it there are plenty that that don't do the right thing i mean not because more that don't not not because they're horrible people necessarily it's just maybe their business is so chaotic that they don't have time to figure this out or whatever or i don't know you know it's i'm actually kind of i'm really glad that you brought that up yeah so i think as human beings we're all really hesitant with change mm. just the word change is like oh my gosh mm. you know the thing about food donation is at the beginning, when a business is donating their excess food, there is a change involved. There are logistics to be worked out. There's communication. There's organization. Right. It's a process. Right. Takes but it's a not little, painful. Takes a little sweat equity. Takes a little... A little bit, yeah. but really little being the key word here. Like, okay. it's really not a lot. Right. Like, it's actually... My job is to make it easy. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And once you're over that hump, which is a tiny hump, it's like half the size of a speed bump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then it's smooth sailing. So as long as a business can be able to say, okay, it's going to get slower before it gets faster mm-hmm. and be able to accept that, then they won't be afraid to change their ways. And I think a lot of the reasons why businesses don't donate food, and, and I, to answer your question, the majority mm-hmm. of them are not doing the right thing, no matter what type of business they are. Mm-hmm. That's the fact. But mm-hmm. we're here to change that. And, and I thank you for having me on here to be able to... Echo that the through. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That that's what it's all about. That's why mm. we're here today. Um, and I think one of the biggest reasons why businesses don't donate food is because they are understandably concerned about the legal ramifications should something happen to the people they're feeding from that food. Oh. Okay. So there was a. It's a law. It's called the Emerson Act. The bill. Uh, Emerson Good Samaritan Food Donation Act. Try saying that 10 times twice. Wow. Yeah, that, that just <laughs> I'm rolls surprised off I could say it once. Snappy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and... This is interesting because I was going to ask you who makes the rules as to what kinds of food you're allowed to donate and, and it, do they have to be like kept at a certain temperature en yes. route and all that business? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, so, I'm, I'm, just, I'm definitely just saying yes. Yeah, like yes, <laughs> okay. yes, and yes. So the yeah. law covers those kind of things. The, as long as we are following the protocols of that law, right. we are covered. 
So the way the law is written is that when an individual or a business is donating, and I quote, apparently wholesome food, mm. and they're doing so with no malicious intent, mm. and they're doing so while keeping that food properly stored, properly maintained, following serve safe guidelines, then that food is, so if anything should happen to the recipient of that food, the donor is not uh, responsible for any um, civil or criminal liability. And Rescuing Leftover Cuisine has additional insurance to cover our volunteers who are, you know, basically the middleman between the donor and the recipient. Um, but the law is covering all parties involved as long as we're doing it lawfully, wow. which we are. It's a shame that it's that big a deal, but this that just falls under the no good deed goes unpunished. Like mm -hmm. you try to <laughs> set up a, a practice where you're donating food and you're worried about getting sued. However, that's why that's it's so nice that there's an organization like yours to to check all those boxes, right? Mm -hmm. um, what so are there foods that are straight out like you, you, you can't donate ever? Um, thinking like oysters food, or something. No, no, you, you <laughs> can know. literally, if it's edible and it's consumable and it's safely stored, it's donatable. Oh, okay. Period. Mm -hmm. However, with hot foods, there yeah. is a process that has to be followed. The food has to be properly stored um, a certain time after being heated uh, and then cooled down to a certain temperature prior to donation in order to do so in a safe way. Mm -hmm. um, that is the only part that you have to be quote unquote careful about. Uh, but other than that, it's really, um, you know, the answer is if it's consumable, it's donatable. Yeah. I went to uh, college in Philly, which had a, and maybe still does have a significant homeless problem. And so it was part of our lives to walk by homeless people all the time. And when we were being nice, we would, you know, give them money. When we were being really nice, we would buy them food and mm -hmm. go into the McDonald's. And, and I, of course, being, young and stupid thinking I'm a hero giving this guy a thing of, of French fries. And I remember I handed it to one guy and the guy was like, Hey, can you go in and get me some salt and pepper and some ketchup? So I could, <laughs> and at first I was like the nerve of this guy. And then I thought, well, it's, uh, I mean, I came this far, but I mean, if he wants salt and pepper, sure. He likes French fries a certain way. I do too. So he's allowed to, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, and actually, do you mind if I build on your fast food establishment? Oh, please do. All right. It, so, it needed building. It was, <laughs> it was only half constructed. Please do. So, okay. If you, so like I said earlier, we're serving anybody who needs food, whether they be suffering from homelessness or food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And many, many people, many, many households are suffering from food insecurity, which basically means they cannot safely rely on when they're going to get their next meal. Or if they're a family, maybe the parents have to forego a meal so that their children can have a meal. Mm. Okay. And for the record, and I'm going to circle back around to this fast food establishment. Okay. Um, so thank you. It's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always like to highlight that it could be the family of four with the Nissan in the driveway mm -hmm. who is suffering from food insecurity. So you can't judge. There's no look to someone who's suffering from food insecurity. Wait, how does that work though? If They might be able to just make their mortgage payments. Okay. On, I mean, if they're, they might be living just right paycheck to paycheck and on the outside they look like they're fine but they're wow. scraping yeah. to get by and they're relying on a, a local food bank in order to make ends meet mm -hmm. so that that extra 100 or 200 dollars a month is accounted for mm -hmm. um and that is common 
Um, and we serve a lot of people who are suffering from food insecurity on that scale or even on a greater scale where they might be um, sharing a common kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll use Casanueva Vida as one of our examples. They, um, you know, they have people there who they, they all live there. I think there's maybe enough for like seven or eight or nine apartments. And there's a common kitchen where everybody can go and share the kitchen. So all different grades of food insecurity. Got it. But for the fast food. So a lot of people who are suffering from food insecurity tend to live in areas that, although urban, are considered food deserts. Mm-hmm. So the definition of a food desert is essentially um, an area that does not have adequate trans- adequate means of transportation in order to get to a large grocery store, like a stop and shop or a market basket or a star market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead, they're relying on um, you know pharmacy stores like CVS or Walgreens or something like that. Um, in order to pick up food, the right. places that they're getting, when they're going to those types of places to get food, it's generally food that's high in preservatives, mm. high in calories, high in fat, low in nutrients. I take it because it has to sit there longer Correct. generally? Yeah, okay. yeah, they yeah. don't have a lot of refrigeration. You know, right. when you go into those places, there's not a lot of storage, so therefore right. the price has to jack up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to get to a grocery store, for you or me, it would take That's us why, 10 minutes. That's why I'm waiting in line at CVS for my prescription. I inevitably <laughs> pick up like two things of beef jerky because they're there. I know. Shouldn't do that. Shame anyway, on you. Anyway. But they're also going to fast food establishments um, because if they can get those, a meal for those, $3. Right. So the healthy food is a couple miles away. They can't get there. But there's a McDonald's on many corners <laughs> that they can go to Correct. Like Taco Bell or whatever. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that you said the names of the places and not me. <laughs> so, you know, if there's an issue here, it's totally on you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, we, we have insurance here too. Uh, that's really, really good. Cause I don't know if our insurance would cover that. So that's fantastic. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, one of the major things to keep in mind is when people who are suffering from food insecurity have the choice between going to a place and getting um, wholesome, nutritious, quality food uh, versus fast food from an establishment, um, the choice should be to get that healthy food. Right. So that really is our goal, is is for people to be able to safely rely on this food um, as a way of having nutritional value for themselves and their children. We're going to hear uh, more about like how can how you can help rescuing leftover cuisine. Again, talking with Dana Styles here, and then I promised you we're going to have a little uh, just for fun Saturday Night Live talk. <laughs> um, we had a lot more before we started rolling the microphones, but um, we'll we'll get to that as well at the tail end of the program. I do need to stop for a moment and tell you about the U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the nation, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today usps.com/careers for mail carriers to corporate management. USPS works to, to get to together. I can never get through the live read without at least one flub, and that's the first flub of 2020. That's right. Taking a bow. Thank you. Thank you. My streak continues. As I was saying, the workers are the backbone of the service, and the USPS wants to develop and advance careers, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at the website, usps.com slash careers apply today once again the website usps.com slash careers the united states postal service deliver for the nation um are you okay i heard you cough a little bit there dana i'm okay i really do do provide water water here at uh, pod 617 they're not dehydrating me everybody they're being very good to (laughs) me keeping her hydrated (laughs) so what what um what do you need um, as we've hopefully interested people in your cause and they believe in it you need volunteers Mm. You, you you 
donations are a thing. You're a nonprofit, I take it, right? We are. Yeah? So okay. it's a 501c3 mm-hmm. uh, founded by Robert Lee um, at the New York headquarters in 2015. Um, I joined the Massachusetts branch a couple of years ago. I'm New England coordinator. And the biggest thing we need is volunteers. You run all of Massachusetts Correct. for the organization. Okay. Correct. Cool. And um, I'm trying to get a grant to start a Rhode Island branch as well. Which so, is where you live. Which, which is, is a, where I live. Yeah. And yeah, I get love Rhode there. Island. I, if I could hug Rhode Island as a state, I would. <laughs> I really do love Rhode Island. Well, I live in Sharon, so we're basically as much of a suburb of Providence mm-hmm. as we are of Boston. And Absolutely. it's a lot more fun to go to Providence if you're going out to dinner. Everybody knows that. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. No doubt. Better so maybe in too. the... So, oh, yeah. Without a doubt. So uh, maybe in the future, Rhode Island, which would be Uh, I'm going to say not maybe. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. Breaking news. news. (laughs) I'm going to say not maybe. It's it's really not an if, it's just a when. Um, So we're working on that. But... Um, speaking for Massachusetts, since, you know, we are pod 617. Thank you. Uh, yeah, plug for 617. Yes, um, so we, so as New England coordinator, um, you know, I'm running all of Massachusetts. However, we are most active in the greater Boston area. So Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, Dorchester, Roxbury, uh, and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing we need is volunteers. And what I really try to... Um, really emphasize is how important our volunteers are to keep the operation going because we can't get on new food donor partners unless we have an adequate amount of volunteers because the worst thing that can happen would be for someone to say, hey, we want you to pick up our food, but then we have nobody to do it Mm -hmm. because the whole point is to have that transport. So um, anybody who's able to volunteer either sporadically or on a weekly basis is welcome. Mm -hmm. And we rely on, on, Everybody, all of our volunteers. It's really a group effort. Um, it's definitely a teamwork makes the dream work mm. thing. And, you know, my my spiel, my saying is, I look at this as my dent. Mm-hmm. So if all of us make a dent, then together we can make a really great crack. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's how... Not. She didn't say make really good crack. She said make a really good, make really good crack. Yes. No, I, thank I get you for it. clarifying I that. Get it. I appreciate that's, that. That's in a lot of things that you know people do for whether it's char- charity or volunteer work. I'd say you're making a pretty huge dent, judging by how much. I mean, do you, are there stats on how much food you are mm-hmm. is under your umbrella of transport yeah. or whatever we call that? Yeah. Um, so since um, since we started in 2017 here in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. we've recovered well over 200,000 pounds of food. That's a lot. It's a lot of food. Yeah. Um, and it's all excess prepared food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to highlight that we are particularly interested in picking up prepared food and not fresh food because there are some amazing food recovery organizations in the greater Boston area, like Love and Spoonfuls, Food for Free, Boston Area Gleaners, mm-hmm. who are doing really great work, and they're picking up fresh food or food from farms. And we are not here to, to compete with them. We're here to compliment them. I and see. we're very, very, very friendly with them for that reason. We, you know, we refer to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes different organizations with different workflows and structures to all be able sure. to work together in order to collectively make a difference. And is there a, is there a third category with like the canned goods? Like who, who gets that? Well, that would be more like if you look at like Greater Boston Food Bank. Yeah, or, that's exactly what I was thinking because I've volunteered there before. They're fantastic. They're yeah, they're great. And if you, if you have um, the opportunity, do a day there. Oh, I've done yeah. it before through a couple of companies I've worked for. 
And I hate to say it, it's fun. I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't hate to say it, but like you're doing, you're working like a conveyor belt, and you're sorting food, and and there's a they're very good at at, at um, directing their volunteers, and so that's what that's I was thinking about them. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah. I I think it there's so many areas of excess food that it takes different organizations who are specializing in those unique areas in order to collectively make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this entire but see, world. You're the most impressive, and I'm going to tell you why. Because of what you, something you said earlier about these emergency situations. They, mm. can, they can call you, like when, like we said, the New England Aquarium has a big event and there's a whole bunch of food left over. Yep. And so, and so, Dana, I imagine it's like they, it's like the bat signal. You know, they put this, and you're the superhero. You're like you're a leftover woman. That's who you are. And you go, you spring. It's like we'll be right over. You know, um, I don't mean to make light of it, but but uh, I do, but I do mean to celebrate it because it's um, it's 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 again. I said like no brainer. How come this wasn't around before? And it sounds like you want it to be even bigger. Needless to say, mm-hmm. so. Are you looking? I'm sorry if I missed this. If you said it earlier, um, I might have spaced out. I do that sometimes. But um, <laughs> but you, I take it you want more donor partners. Yes. You want, you, okay. So if if you work for a company that is you know in the food services, in restaurants, in you know hotel, whatever, um, and you know that you, there's nothing like this in place. Go, exactly. to the, go to the website, get in touch with you, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, you can go to the website, rescuingleftovercuisine.org slash MA for Massachusetts. There you go. Uh, or you can just email me directly at Dana, D-A-N-A, at rescuingleftovercuisine.org, no spaces or dashes. And, you know, we're always looking for more food donor partners, whether they want to donate food on a regular basis or on a an emergency basis. Right. And, you know, we're especially interested in the events industry. Um, so I started out in, and I'm still in technically the events industry, which is what, uh, kind of organically got me into this world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the events industry, there is a lot of excess food sure. and, you know, we're always interested in talking with caterers and planners, et cetera, uh, in order to educate their clients and get them on board. Um, we have some really amazing food donor partners who just specialize in events, like not, never mind just in Boston. If you go to Randolph, if you go to Lombardo's, which is really well known, um, they're one of our amazing food donor partners. That huge ass chandelier. That we love that chandelier. <laughs> yeah, That's if, a cool chandelier. Yeah. If you've ever <laughs> driven, not even, you don't even have to go there to admire it. You, if true. you're on the expressway there in the Randolph area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm and gonna, even if it's not a restaurant or a hotel, even businesses that have catered lunches or businesses that have cafeterias. So Akushnet World Headquarters is one of our food donor partners, and they have a kitchen that's run by Sodexo, and we pick up their food from their kitchen. Same thing for schools. We pick up school. Uh, we pick up school. <laughs> we pick up. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. We pick up food from the Walnut Hill School in Natick. Uh, They Mm -hmm. also have a kitchen run by Sodexo. And we pick up food from there a couple times a week. So Totally makes sense. What about about non-chain restaurants? If it's just a family restaurant, will you do it? Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Love it. Um, I'm going to introduce you to my uh, aunt, Marge and Uncle Chris who run this. No, I'm serious. They run they run a, a event planning like high-end charity gala. Um, Clapazola Partners is what they're called for those that might remember uh, Chris Minazola or Margie Clapper from their previous lives in restaurant and media. Anyway, I'm going to introduce you to them. So you Thank see you. that? There's some networking happening right Good here on stuff. the podcast. 
And while we're on the subject, just a little shout out. Our, mutu- our mutual friend, Matt Robinson, introduced us, Dana and I. And I was just noticing that, um, you know, Matt put out a book. I had him on the on the podcast before. It's a really fun book. And why not give him another plug? The book is called Lions, Tire, Tigers and Bulldogs, an unofficial guide to legends and lore of the Ivy League. It's cool. It's like it's cool for um, grownups and kids alike because it's really sort of fun animation and uh, it's a cool gift for anyone you know who went to an Ivy League school or even if they didn't. So, anyways, the book is available at lionstigersbulldogs.com. Matt, you got your shout out, okay? Now leave me alone! <laughs> I'm just kidding. And we're looking Matt. at your book right now, Matt. Yeah, we, we have it's proudly displayed in the box. Very nicely illustrated. Studios. Very cool. All right, so we promised uh, that we're up against the clock here. We do have a few minutes for the segment we call Good Stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Dana, we don't have a cough button. Maybe we should get that. I'm going to put that on my list of things. My apologies. For, uh, let me, no, it's okay. <laughs> I cough too all the time. But, you know, it's pod, podcasts are supposed to be spontaneous, and there sometimes are coughs, or even worse. But today, just coughs. That's fine. <laughs> it's funny. The, my previous guest who was sitting in that very chair was struggling coughing. Maybe there's some... Some dust mm. going on in the studio we mm. need to take care of. Absolutely. Um, there is some dust. It's magical pixie dust because <laughs> the magic of podcasting. So for this edition of Good Stuff, um, people are talking about Eddie Murphy a lot these days. And Dana and I wanted to share our mutual love of SNL. So, And um, then there's this recent thing that I just noticed, which is cool. It's a New York Times article. It came out maybe just a couple weeks ago. But, um, you know, the, the title of the article is The Saturday Night Live Stars Who Lasted and the Ones Who Flamed Out. If you Google that, you'll certainly find it. It's this massive, if you're, a, if you're a fan of the show, it's this massive chart showing how long every cast member lasted. And we were surprised by a couple of these. Like, I think, Dana, you noticed, like, Eddie was, wasn't on for that many seasons, right? Yeah, we thought that he was on longer because he had such an incredible impact on the show, but he was only on for a few years, it looks like. For sure. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize, I mean, I've loved, um, t- tell our listeners, Dana, what you said about why, about the manner in which you root for SNL. Right? Oh, okay. Well, so I'm not a sports person. Right. Actually, well, my family, they're all, I just have to say, my family's all Mets fans. So if I don't say I'm a Mets fan, they might disown me. I'm going to so. have to ask you to see yourself out now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm actually, I actually have very, my hatred for the Mets was needless to say peaked in Sorry, 86. Mom and my I'm, a bus, Sorry. I'm a Bostonian. No, it's okay. Now, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to be mean, but I think we just kind of feel bad for the Mets. I mean, Understood. At, at this point. yeah. But with that said, that's mm-hmm. actually a perfect analogy, right? right? right because Saturday right. Night Live has had some ups and downs, as have the Mets. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah. So, although I'm technically not a sports fan, um, those who love the Mets in my family, which they do, love them no matter what. Yeah. And that yep. is exactly right. how I view SNL. I will be a fan forever through thick and through thin. Do you remember <laughs> watching the first season? I don't mean, I, I like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll come clean and say, I barely remember that first season, so I must have been 1975, 1975. So I was only eight years old, and I don't think I was allowed to stay up till 1130. <laughs> so for me, yeah, I think the Eddie Murphy years were like sort of my, my indoctrination into the show. And then, you know, they would rerun the old ones, so you would go back and watch the old ones too. Mm-hmm. Eddie was on from 1980 to 1984, so I guess that's actually five seasons. Um, but, you know, some modern-day 
players have been on for much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, someone like Kevin Nealon was on for a long time. Tim Meadows was on forever. And then we learned about Keenan Thompson. And we learned about Keenan, who. Go Keenan. Yeah. My son Adrian's favorite. He used to love that uh, What's Up with That sketch that's on. No, <laughs> hilarious, nonsensical sketch. Yeah. Keenan Thompson is the longest running uh, cast member ever. Yeah, and he's um, awesome. And he, yeah, he deserves it. He's funny as hell. Yeah. Um, do you have. I need more cowbell, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I have a fever. And the only cure <laughs> is more cowbell. That, that's that's uh, that legendary sketch. And it's funny because he, they, they made sort of a running joke in that sketch about Christopher Walken was the host and he yep. played the, you know, the, I don't need to describe the cowbell sketch to you people, do I? It's a, it's a funny. If you do, there's a problem. Yeah, it's a farce ab- uh, <laughs> about a look back at how Blue, Blue Oyster Cult came up with the song or recorded the song Don't Fear the Reaper, which features cowbell and Will Ferrell memorably overacts <laughs> and overplays and manages to screw up just playing the cowbell. And it's funny. But Jimmy the, Fallon's in that too. And Fallon's Super awesome. And, and as he would later say, almost ruined the sketch by cracking up because, yep. which he did many times, Yes, which just makes it all the more lovable. But, mm-hmm. but um, the Christopher Walken character was a, a, a musical agent, I guess, a producer named Bruce Dickinson. He goes, you know, he's playing that up. He's like, when, when Bruce Dickinson gets up in the morning, he puts on his pants one leg at a time. But after that, I make gold records. Or I'm mangling it, but you get it. It turns out Bruce Dickinson was not the real-life uh, producer of that record, because, but there was someone sort of in the notes of the song, and some intern um, went out and got the old record and picked the wrong name, and so they inserted that. Bruce Dickinson is I like someone that. different. Yeah. Awesome. So whoever the real producer of that song got jobbed a little bit. Anyway, um, <laughs> do you have do you have favorite Eddie moments or characters since we're Ooh. talking about Eddie? Well, favorite characters specifically. I'm going to have to go with um, um, what's her first name? Dratch. Uh, Debbie Dratch? No, you're talking about Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch. Yeah. Yes. Who the played Debbie Donna. Wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is one of my absolute favorite characters. I was actually, the question was actually Eddie, Eddie, um, sorry, um, Eddie characters, but but that's cool. We'll do each. So, so you like Debbie Downer. I really love Debbie Downer. I think she's um, awesome. I don't know if I have a favorite of all time. Um, Will Ferrell had so many. I mean, off the top of my head, I'd say I, I did love they overdid it after a while, but the cheerleaders, Will Ferrell and awesome. Cherry Terry. Awesome. You know, awesome. Um, I love Will Ferrell. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Just looking at him is funny. Sorry, yeah. Will. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he just is, like no, a he very. Was, he was on the Golden Globes the other he's night, and, and he was he was totally deadpan, and he he was great. Um, so and the best latest episode. Yes, we were talking earlier. Yes, the one that J Lo just hosted. I think it was just a few weeks ago. Is in my opinion one of the best recent episodes they've had really really just the whole entire episode she yeah. did an amazing job and the opener was awesome the opener was great with uh cecily strong as yes. melania, melania with the anti-bullying was <laughs> that was precious yes. but eddie was eddie was um also amazing on his game i mean i i loved it pretty much all of it i mean some of it seemed a little forced like the gumby thing mm-hmm. i mean like during weekend update yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, Gumby was good. Actually, uh, what am I thinking? The buckwheat, buckwheat okay. was as the masked singer was. Uh, it was fine, but after the first couple jokes, it's like, 
But what was cool was he clearly didn't mail it in. Like he, Mr. Robinson was great. The best. You know, it was it was it was great how they brought that into this this the woke. You know, he's living in still living in Brooklyn, but now it's all woke. So his neighbors are these you know this woke young couple that's horribly intimidated by him. And but then the last uh, sketch of the night. Which, you know, if you know your SNL history, the last sketch is usually some throwaway sketch that's terrible. Um, it was really funny. And he, he played, oh, it was a Christmas sketch and it was elves and, and about some disaster or something. And Eddie played this frantic elf being interviewed on live television. And I thought he just nailed it. He, he you know, um, still got it, Eddie. Uh, he's, he's even older than I am. Eddie's the best. Have you I seen, love Eddie Murphy. Have you seen Dolomite Is My Name? I have not, but it's on my Netflix queue. Right. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's, have you seen it? Yeah, it's it's outstanding. Is so it? if you, okay. it, Yeah, so if you don't know, we'll play a little bit of the trailer and see, what, uh, see what transpires here. Oh, my God, this you is awesome. You love him and I love him. Put your hands together. Dolomite Is My Name. <laughs> hey, you know, Auntie, I was thinking about putting out a comedy record. Comedy? You've been a singer, a shake dancer. Ha! It's real hard to break in. I do whatever it takes to get in. I come up with a new character. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Oh, <laughs> by the way, not safe for work trailer, people. I'm Sorry watching about this that. tonight. I yeah. have to watch this tonight. No, it, and Wesley Snipes is in it, too. I actually didn't know Wesley that. Snipes is, is fantastic. It's awesome. Um, Eddie is, he was, um, in a way, he was sort of born to play this role. I think he... He idolized in in part Rudy Ray. Born, yeah, it gets even raunchier. But the, but that's what the subject of the the movie is. It was this you know sixties uh, and seventies comedian named Rudy Ray Moore who kind of kicking around not doing much created this character called Dolomite who is this like foul mouth soothsayer and. He developed his cult following. Yeah, did you see Snoop? Snoop's got a cameo in I, there. Snoop we're we're watching this silently yeah. as right. you talk, right, right, and right, right. I'm I'm literally trying not to laugh as we're watching it silently. <laughs> silently. So if there was noise, we would really be in trouble. Yeah, and it's funny because you can you can see uh, the Rudy Ray Moore uh, has had a lot of the same comic timing that Eddie does, which leads me to believe that you know Eddie copied some of it from Rudy Ray Moore. But um, it's just a cool. It's kind of a, a feel good story which is weird because the 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 guy's material is as foul as the day is long like i mean i mean that's kind of the point and he so the the dude at first kind of hits it um semi-big but he's still selling records out of comedy records out of his trunk and then eventually goes on to make this movie which is depending upon how you look at it one of the the best or worst movies of all time um they they show they depict the, the the shooting of this and how he can't act but he doesn't care and a lot of fun okay so thumbs up from me dana i'm glad you're gonna watch it tonight please report back to me and let I will. me know what you thought i promise so once again so hope you enjoyed good stuff um we're up against the clock please um if you're interested in rescuing leftover cuisine it is rescuing leftover cuisine.org dana siles has joined us as you're the the grand poobah of New England, did you say? Or Matt, no mass. Uh, well, New England. Yeah. yeah. Yep. New England coordinator. We're on the or verge Grand of, Poobah, as I'm going to have my business cars changed. Please too. do. <laughs> please do. I encourage um, And uh, yeah, Rhode Island is next, as you said. And mm-hmm. tell, tell us your email address one more time in case people want to reach out to you directly. Thanks. Yeah. It's a Dana at rescuingleftovercuisine.org. If you're interested in volunteering, donating food, or if you're a human service agency and want to be able to accept food, uh, you can email me there and I will send you over all the information. 
Yeah, let's get on the stick, people. And all you restaurant owners and higher-ups at hotels, check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you get food left over. Let's give it to the people who need it. I love and it. And we are really, really grateful for you. So thank you so much for having us on here. Really appreciate it. And I'm the king of Segway, so I'll say thank you for being on the show, Dana. Um, what um, Did you have fun? I had Most so much fun. It was awesome. All right. Well, you are welcome back anytime here. Thank you. Pod617.com. And our Westwood Studios is where we record this. Do go to the website if you want your own podcast or for more information on what we do here. Again, thanks to the U.S. Postal Service. USPS.com backslash careers is where you go for information about them. On behalf of Dana Siles, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. You must be the other guy. I'll sit down with